Welcome to Transmissions from the Evil Lair, the official podcast of the Brotherhood of Evil Geeks. Welcome to episode 186 of Transmissions from the Evil Lair. I am Seamart, of course. Today it's Undies of Wendy and myself sitting down with the co-founders of Splash Page Comics, Curtis Parvin and Drew Kelly. Uh, they're also the creators of Legend of Beard Fist, uh, which is a comic you should go out and check out right now. Uh, it's available on Comixology for only 99 cents. So, I mean, come on. There's no reason to not... Go out and get it. It's 99 cents. You have 99 cents. Go check it out. Uh, it's an awesome comic and you'll enjoy it. Uh, but if you're not sold on that just yet, uh, I've got a nice hour long interview here with the creators of it. Uh, so take a listen to, uh, what Curtis and Drew have to say. Uh, of course, uh, as is quite often on this podcast, we end up talking about movies, m- movies and comics hand in hand almost. You know, you can't, uh, make a movie without making a storyboard. So you pretty much have to make a comic. To make a movie. So if you make a comic, you're you're kind of like halfway to making a movie already. So as I guess that's why they're links. Maybe I'm just rambling. Who knows? Uh, before we get to the interview, uh, you should come check us out this July 8th at the Schenectady County Public Library. It is the Electric City Comic Con. Uh, we are going to be there, of course. Probably be doing some trivia or something, giving some prizes away, uh, as you know, as we always do. But I'm going to have a new thing at our table. Uh, I'm going to have a personally curated box of $1 comics uh, that are going to be available for sale for $1. And I'm not talking crap either. I like, I am out there on the streets hunting down new comics for you folks. Like, and then they're good stuff too. I got a couple of number ones, uh, like recent comics, not like, you know, weird, like Kool-Aid man fights the scorch monsters like from the eighties or, you know, something you'd have to send in a Charleston chew rapper to get. Uh, no, I'm out there. I'm, I'm picking up some comics uh, you know, I just want to like give you a taste of, you know, like what I'm into comic wise. And, you know, if, if you're kind of new to comics, it's a co- place to come check out, you know, grab a bunch of books for real cheap, uh, and just find out what comics are about. That's enough of this really, really rambling, weird intro. Uh, but let's get on with the actual meat and bones of this podcast, the interview. Uh, again, it's with Curtis Parvin and Drew Kelly, the creators of Legend of Beard Fist here on Transmissions from the Evil Lair. Uh, what's going on, everybody? This is Transmissions from the Evil Lair. I am Seymour. I am Undies of Wendy. And we are joined tonight in our Evil Lair by two very special guests. Uh, we just met, uh, I believe, I don't know if we met, I've met, let me tell you everybody who you are first before I get into the story. <laughs> Joining us, we have Curtis Parvin and Drew Kelly, Woo! the creators behind the comic The Legend of Beard Fist. Yay! You can't see it right now, but I'm bowing. Yeah. <laughs> Gently waving like a you know, like a princess. Queen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being here today. And I'm and I'm do- I'm doffing my cap, my invisible cap. <laughs> <laughs> 
very formal today. It's, yeah, it's very formal. Um, but yeah, Curtis, we met at uh, a couple weeks ago at Super Mega Fest, mm -hmm. uh, which is becoming my favorite con of the year. Uh, I think it's already won my favorite con of the year, honestly. <laughs> so fun. Uh, every it's, time. It's really cool. It's It was my first time going, and I, I had a great time, uh, you know, sitting in on, you know, panels and, you know, meeting artists, and I, I met Chris Claremont. That was cool. Um, I but to do that. Damn. We it's definitely a show. I'm working. I'm, it's definitely a show that I'm going to go to again. I had a, I had a really great time. Yeah, we just went for the first time last uh, April. Was our first time, and like, we had, this is an awesome time. We went again in October. And uh, now we're just well. I told yeah. Well, now I'm like I'm not missing this show. <laughs> I told the owner I was like, as long as you'll keep having me, I'll keep showing up. Like I'll come up with new panels. It's fine. Just don't let us go. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, con stuff aside, let's talk about the comic a little bit. Uh, why don't you guys mm -hmm. uh, tell us a little bit about it? Uh, well, the whole comic is is based off of uh, these characters that I I'd, I'd made up when I was a kid, um, but I didn't really get the ball rolling on the whole comic idea until I talked to Curtis about it uh, a year or so ago, and we actually met through a mutual friend of ours, and uh, we we sort of our friendship sort of like grew through that. Mm -hmm. um, he told me that he was a writer and he'd been working on a few ideas, and I said, "Oh, that's that's awesome, you know." I need a writer. <laughs> so uh, so we, we really just kind of hit it off at first. I pitched him the idea, and he was all he was all about it. He was on board. Um, and we, we just kind of took off from there. Awesome. Um, yeah, uh, basically, um, I, uh, I have a background in film. When I was in college, I minored in film and video studies, so I, I was um, dabbling in directing and screenwriting and so on. And uh, I thought to myself, I'm like, well, I'm not moving out to L.A. anytime soon, so I might as well give it a go um, writing comic books. Um, and, uh, yeah, there, everything just took off from there. Nice, nice. You guys are the first, like, creators we've had on in a while who, mm -hmm. like, organically, like, I, I always thought, yeah. like, yeah, like, it, that's how comics were made. Like, you know, people would just kind of meet up organically and, like, hey, let's make a comic. But yeah. I, I've been finding that, like, uh, you know, I've been asking that question of a lot of creators, and like, almost always the answer is like, you know, I was on the internet and I was looking for a writer or an artist, and then I just found one. Yeah, the guest we had on, uh, we had, uh, we just recorded another episode of Evil Air, and uh, our two friends, uh, uh, Nick Marino and Daniel Rumasa, met online as well. Like, yeah, yeah. I thought that was strange too, because I was always like, thought that there was like a cool moment where like two guys are drinking at a bar and they're like, hey, you want to make a comic? Like, I don't know. That's just. How I pictured in my brain. Well, it was, it was pretty fortuitous. What happened was, um, I was actually dating somebody at the time, and I was hanging out at their place for like a a, a geek breakfast. So oh, and that and so fun. And Drew and a couple other people were part of that, you know. So you know, eggs and toast and so on. And we're all playing um, Settlers of Catan, the um, the the Star Trek version, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we just, you know, we just started geeking out and, and so on. And like Drew was saying, you know, he had an idea and, and a project and, you know, and, and um, needed help fleshing it out and, you know, kind of creating the world and creating a, a scenario. And, and uh, you know, we were off, off and running. Um, and we were talking about, because um, the way I write is I like to write with an ending in mind and know exactly where it's going and kind of, um, and, and fill in little details later on. But we, we had like, 
big tent poles and and big um, big plot points and so on. Yeah, there's so beats that you have to hit before you can get to the end point. Yeah, right. So without getting into too many details, we can tell you that the Legend of Beard Fist right now, the first story arc is um, it's a six issue miniseries right now. Um, and like I said, there are certain beats that we're going to hit along the way. Um, and we're just letting characters, um, develop, um, in an organic way toward the, the end game, which is the end of, uh, book six. So issue six. I kind of like when that, when, you know, when I'm writing a story and stuff kind of happens organically, cause it's like, well, what would this character do? Or like mm-hmm. you kind of get a chance to put yourself in their shoes, which oh, absolutely. Me, for me as somebody who like has done theater before, that's something that I really always like fascinated me. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. You know, dusting off your acting chops. Like, what would this character do? What's his motivation? You know, mm-hmm. that sort of. Thing. It's actually that's a big that's a big philosophy uh, when we're writing the stories. We want to get to a point where we don't have to question uh, what would this character do in the situation. We just know just just yeah, because they would do nothing else. You know, yeah, and, uh, and that's personality up. You know, enough already. Like, oh yeah, this is exactly what this person would do. Yeah, and more often than not, um, that's actually how we how the story develops. We we put these characters in a situation, and then what happens is their reactions and how it sort of affects the outcome. All right, all right. Well, Drew, you and you and I were having a conversation basically about um, how uh, certain things that frustrate you about storytelling in general. Do you want to talk just a little bit about that, or no? Yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> one of the, one of the reasons that. You know, I I felt so strongly about doing the story, and that I brought it up with Curtis, is that uh, so often in stories, I'm not going to name any. I don't want I don't want to call anybody out, but so often in stories, uh, characters do things almost for the sake of the plot, when it seems out of character for them. And and one thing I liked about the and this is sort of unrelated, but one of the things I liked about the old Warner Brothers cartoons, like the uh, the animated Batman series especially, was that these guys these guys making these stories they weren't making them specifically for kids, though kids could enjoy them. They were making them mostly for them. They were the type of stories that they would want to see, and that's uh, that's a big thing with Beard Fist that we uh, that we're doing. We these are the type of stories that Curtis and I would read uh, if someone else were making the comic. Yeah, that's a, that's a theme I see. That's a you know, it's a recurring thing that pops up a, a lot when we're talking about creating stuff. Uh, that's how you, you know, that's how you get like that's how you actually you, you end up connecting with more people by just trying to entertain yourself first and foremost. Like mm-hmm. once you get you know you're the first member of your audience. Once you sell yourself, then you know everybody else will fall in line after that. You know. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. <laughs> Um, the, um, what about the story itself? Uh, I, I, I've been looking it over. It seems to be uh, about manly men doing wilderness things. Well, don't spoil for me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's it's, uh, it's a bit. It's it's as ridiculous as it sounds. Um, it's hard for us to take the whole. Like we don't want to take the story too seriously. It's called the Legend of, of Beard Fist. You know, um, it's about this dude who literally has a fist on his beard. And it's just always kind of been like that, you know. No one really knows how it, how it got like that. And he, <laughs> it's just a thing. Um, and he travels with his uh, with his companion named Chap, who you know he has these he has this kick ass shotgun named Rosebud, and they go on all these adventures. And on one of these adventures, on the way, and on one of these uh, on one of these adventures, they meet this girl named Ophelia, who is just totally fascinated by their way of life and how different it is than her own and so she she practically begs them to to go on adventures with them she wants to travel with them but they're not really about it at first especially beard fist he's he's not really feeling it he thinks she's going to get in the way um 
but once he once certain circumstances present themselves he realizes that traveling with them would be the best thing for her and then to bring her along so the whole story is actually told through her point of view um as an adult it's she's telling it to a character named saima who is essentially the audience personified uh the, the whole story uh, is viewed through her is like viewed to her but like from ophelia's point of view like i, I think i mentioned that so it's 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 tricky telling the story sometimes you want to you want to show other things that are happening at the same time but you realize if ophelia wasn't there then there's, there's no way she'd know about it you know yeah to, um to people encountering Beardfist for the first time, um, on the surface, it looks like, you know, kind of rugged, manly men doing manly things in a, in a um, um, fantasy um, adventure style environment. But um, th it's actually um, the, the, the absolute main character is, is Ophelia. And, and uh, it, it's less about these kind of manly things being the, being the, um, the central focus and more about um her uh, kind of coming of age story and more of a um more of her hero's journey but from but a, but a feminine hero's journey as she's kind of has this kind of maybe paternal relationship with these with these traveling heroes yeah i see it's, awesome. yeah like you said the feminine hero journey like kind of mm -hmm. set against like compared with the background of like this typical like male hero journey yeah okay yeah, yeah. i love it the uh, the paternal thing isn't something I can stress enough. I'm so so worried people are going to view this relationship wrong. Mm -hmm. It's 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 um it's it's actually kind of it's it's sad. That's also another uh, like genuine concern for like writers in this day and age. Like with like fandoms, I feel like they just you, like they take one thing and they'll go like. Yeah, yeah, like weird for one for miles, right? and then there'll be weird fans. Like I don't understand, like how some of these shows on TV, like do do the actors like find this weird fan fiction? Like the one thing that like baffles me is, do you guys know Supernatural at all? I know of it. I, yeah, me, same, same here. I know of it. Characters are brothers, and like okay. they'll ship them together. That's very weird. Why? Huh. No, I agree. It's it's weird, Wait, but they call I, it think, I think I think it's a thing. I think on some level, uh, these types of ships are just like trolling. Like they're not actually into it; they're no, just doing I it because they think like it's funny. Really are like uh, that's what I thought at first too. But then there's like people who are like really serious about it. <laughs> well, I know, I know. Like for for example, um, remember Bioshock Infinite came out a few years ago. Yes. Yeah, that game was great. Um, but the character Elizabeth had a lot of porn drawn about of her and, and the creator politely asked everybody to stop doing that and so the internet uh the internet decided to draw more of it in, yeah, so the in retaliation like the internet yeah, <laughs> yeah. internet says no and bring it's, more it's, porn the 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 internet like one thing you know you have to know when you go on the internet is that no matter where it is like things may get weird you know what i mean like <laughs> It, things will get. It's, there's no may about it. Things will get weird. They like, will get weird. We have one wrong turn, and, and like shit's gonna get crazy. Do you ever just like find yourself in a YouTube hole? Because that happened at Super Mega Fest, actually. Like where we <laughs> fell down the YouTube hole so deep that we didn't know how to come back out of it. Like we started with one thing, and then it like wound up being videos of Shrek. That it was like those like Shrek things where it was like uh, the entire Shrek movie without any main characters or plot. 
And I'm like, how did I get here? I think we ended up on watching like different versions of the song All Star. Oh, that's with, my like, favorite. Only the words like All Star in it. So it'd no, be, it was like, somebody, okay. somebody, 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 somebody. All right. So yeah, internet, weird place. Yes, yes don't don't note. go on the internet, kids. Just stay off it. <laughs> Uh, except, ex- except to find what we do. Yeah. <laughs> except, except for reading these guys' comments. But other than that, no internet, not allowed. Until we get some, until we get some, uh, until we get some tangible hard copy books, you know, out, out there. <laughs> A primary, the primary uh, resource for for um, finding beard fist is the World Wide Web. Once we get some tangible copies, we can uh, we can burn our boat like the Vikings and yes. say goodbye to the internet. <laughs> Actually, uh, speaking of which, if, if people do want to read the book, yeah, I'm just going to do a little uh, a little name drop here. Uh, we have a uh, we have a Comicsology page. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can just literally just look up the Legend of Beard Fist on Comicsology, and it'll come up. Um, I think you might have to do a little bit of searching because it's in the indie section, but. Yeah. Other than that, like it's 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 on there. You know. If you, oh, it, you want to read an indie comic? You have to work for it. So. <laughs> yeah, you can search. I, I believe you can search either like Splash Page because we're, we're we're known as Splash Page Comics. So Splash Page Comics or like The Legend of Beard Fist. And there's, we also have another comic on there, which is our first one that we did before Beard Fist, a 16-page black and white uh, comic book called Building Bridges. We also have that one on there. All right. Cool. So, uh, so you guys met about a year ago. So already in a year's mm-hmm. time, like. It's two projects like coming out. Mm-hmm. That's Not bad. Crazy. Yeah. Way to go, guys. Yeah, the uh, the first one, oh, Building Bridges, was actually that one was actually for uh, an anthology we were trying to enter. Yeah, uh, we didn't we didn't end up getting in, unfortunately. But uh, we decided since we're putting all the work for the for the book, we would put it out there. It's yeah, that's the whole reason it's black and white. Um, because the in the anthology had to be in black and white. But the book is about. This like superhero school or, or like a school for kids with superpowers. Mm-hmm. So fun. And uh, yeah, it is, and it's it's really a story about like bullying and and yeah. stuff like that. But like the setting is a uh, is a superhero school. I want to read it now. That's like well, that's I all I definitely do should. It's like anti-bullying in the comics community. So pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. We're hoping it was almost kind of after the fact because, like, I just we came up with a good story. It was it was for um, it was for more of a YA audience for you know what we were shooting for. Um, so we're hoping that one reaches kind of like the um, the um, um, high school you know crowd and the and the junior high crowd because um, it deals with like we said bullying, a high school superpowers. So it's kind of like um, um, it's got some X Men type elements in there, but it's also a very a very real story about you know um you know jealousy and kids picking on one another um and it, and it revolves around it, the title building bridges is a reference to the spaghetti bridge competition that takes place within the within the book i don't know are you guys familiar with that uh i i did a similar one in high school no, not high school i'm like the grade school where we had uh-huh. actually like matchsticks almost we had to make a bridge out of like, oh, okay we did bicycle sticks yeah yeah no i was really like, these little thin like slats of wood not yeah, even yeah, it's very similar to that. It was supposed to be like a, it was like a seventh grade privilege in our school, but we got mm-hmm. taken away. <laughs> yeah, so I never got to build a bridge. Yeah. Okay. Well, how'd you guys do? You get to get it taken away? I don't know. I don't even remember. I probably nothing that bad. Catholic school was very dramatic. Like. Oh, well, it's Catholic. If someone like got okay. to get a tissue when they weren't supposed to, they would like take away recess. I'm like, well, what the hell? Like, stop. <laughs> This is a complete side yeah, note, but um, on, and then while we're on the story oh, no. of uh, oh, you know, technology class, I, I remember that once, 
once our technology teacher was like, okay, build whatever you want. Five minutes later, it's like... So many penises? It's like, no, it's like 30 kids building bats and, like, wooden knives. And like, uh, oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say penis. Like, I thought you were going to go the other way. Yeah. yeah. In our school... Um, <laughs> dicks, dicks, dicks. Every yeah, literally. In, um, I went to all-girls high school, and, uh-huh. um, like, our brother's school, like... I used to do shows there, like, you know, because I was, like, a drama kid, so I would go do... Yeah. Like, the girls would come in to do the shows, and I, I remember being in the classroom, and everywhere you looked, there were dicks. And I'm like, why are all of these boys so obsessed with dicks? Because it's not like... Funny. They, yeah. they have them. Exactly, it's like yeah. yeah. But they were all over. They were, it's like they needed to, like, let everybody know there were dicks in the school. Like, there was, like, dick on every table. You couldn't, like, get away from them. Well, it's kind of like in Planet of the Apes, like, the Forbidden Zone, you know? Like, they put the fake... Like apes up on the big like X's. So, like, yeah, that would, that's literally what this high school was like. <laughs> and oddly enough, now it's co-ed, so I wonder if all the dick desks are still there. Um, <laughs> but dick. they used to draw dicks on each other's backs and chalk, and like oh not God. tell anybody. So like some kid would be walking around with a big old yellow dick on his back, and <laughs> we would fucking tell him all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, you have to watch out, and you you guys know this because you guys are in the Albany area, right? So, um, in in New England, you got to watch out for friends pranking friends, like with uh, windshields and glass doors and all all kinds of things, like you know, because because that stuff will show up later. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, what? I, I missed that joke. Oh, care. like uh, no, like uh, when when um, windows fog up and so on in New England, or or oh, yeah, or, oh, oh my God, yes. Or if, I used to or dicks on everyone's car. It was great. No, no, or if, or if uh, you know you get a, a you know a huge um. A, 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 you know, huge snowstorm. Like people do, you know, do it on you know someone's garage roof or something. They won't see it. I used to go into like one of my friends' cars every time it snowed. I was just no, dips no. all over their car, and they were like, "Wow!" Oh, and then really if just... you do it in the right temperature, it stays there. <laughs> that's a fun thing to explain. That's a fun thing to explain later on a sibling's car or a parent's car. Yeah. I uh, noticed there was a penis on my. It was the family car too. I'm pretty sure it was like the mom's minivan that we did it to. Oh, good. They're still Goodies. my friends, so I mean, it's it's fine. We're all good. Oh, it's a few dicks between friends. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I remember making snow dicks too. I think we were just fascinated with this dicks in high school. Podcast got way this is the like, dick cast, guys. Yeah. I think it, I think it was all like the, it was. We were we were pre gaming talking about the internet, and I think it's just like, well, you'll find out on the internet, and then dick desks, you know. Dick desks. We've been infected by the internet. Uh, I'm assuming there are no dick desks in your comic, your YA comic. Well, not about, yet, anyway. Not about yeah, not yet. No, okay. dicks hey, uh, it was good. Curtis, next book, we're going to do like a film noir thing. Play it totally straight, but everybody's going to be a talking penis. <laughs> I love it. Like a detective movie? Like yes, that. I, that's what I was picturing. Like a private eye movie, but like a dick private eye. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna, oh, it's wow. basically going to be our, our, our own version of Sin, Sin City, but with, with some um, with, with phallic-shaped street lamps and so on. <laughs> it has to exist on the internet somewhere. Like, I feel like it just... Oh, it has to. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and also, I do remember at this high school, too, that uh-huh. they would torture this one physics teacher who was, like, this, like, I think he was, like, German or Russian or whatever, because they would, like, mm-hmm. imitate him all the time, but, like, they would put weights in his bag, and, like, they, <laughs> like oh my God. he wouldn't know, like, one time, like, they, I forget, someone put, like, a, a lobster or a crab in his bag. Alive? Yeah, like, a live lobster or crab in his bag, and he was like, oh, you guys, like... 
like, yeah, I mean, at that point, I don't even think you can get mad. You just have to, you just have to appreciate the effort that went into that. Yeah, like. Well, at first, the weight thing doesn't sound that bad. It's like they were testing, you know, um, yeah. they were testing, I mean, he was a physics teacher, right? So they tell you they were yeah. testing inertia. It was, it was, it was, a, gravity and shit. it was a lab experiment. They were testing gravity. You that's, know? What, that's where they got it from because he was in the lab. Um, yeah. And I remember the other thing that they would do was they would skin people's backpacks, which basically just means that they turned it inside out and then zipped it. So you couldn't unzip it. Oh, yeah. They used to, they used to do that in my school, too. That, that was a pain in the ass. High school was a weird high school was a weird time. I remember like um one of one of the last days in high school uh there, there was a thing that, came, that that we just started doing people just started doing pocket ripping day. It became pocket ripping day. <laughs> I, I, that, I was going to say a, I feel like that was a thing they did too. Yeah, yeah. Right that was a high school pocket. fad. That was a high school fad that didn't that didn't that didn't <laughs> that, that that didn't make it to college. Thank thank goodness. See, all my good stories are from the boys' school, though. The girls' school was like very boring. Like the worst thing that we did was we would leave our pants open all the time because there were no boys there to impress. So we would just be ugly all the time unless a boy was picking you up from school. And then you wouldn't wear pants. You would wear like the little schoolgirl skirt and be cute. But other than that, like we would just be disgusting monsters and like wear pajama pants you underneath. Maniacs! Our pants. What animals? Yeah, with like gross, like the they would literally call it font bon bun, and they would like put it up. Meanwhile, in my school, it's like we're sitting in the corner thinking, like, how many crickets can I buy for like a hundred dollars at the pet store, like to let loose <laughs> in the school? <laughs> our senior pranks were great. I stole the mascot costume and ran around and led a giant super soaker war. So <laughs> I win. I mean, our, our senior prank sucked. We came to the cafeteria one day, and there were just, like, paper cups over the tables. It wasn't even, like, a big deal. It was just kind of inconvenient. <laughs> the year before us puts goldfish in the fucking toilets, and then they were stupid, and they didn't realize that when you flush it, like, there's not enough water. No, no, they put them in the sinks, but they didn't stop the sinks, so the, the fish were, like, about to die. So I had to go around saving all the fucking fish. Because that's just the kind of person that I am, that I have to save all the goldfish. So I'm like scooping them up, and I'm like, you're gonna be okay, it's fine. It was bad. Wow. Fucking assholes. I hated the year ahead of us. They were like our rivals. Because we would have this competition. My god, now I'm just like going in right yeah, now. Yeah, you're just playing a lot of high school stuff out right Shit, now. Shit, right. Yeah, no, I never even we're talked about it. We were talking about comics, by the way. Yeah, hey, we're you know, no, this, this is a safe place. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about, um, we would do like this like competition. And, like, all the grades would compete against each other. But it was like you had to, like, make a skit. And there was, like, a tumbling thing. And there was, like, dance. But it all had to be, like, interwoven into a theme. And, like, everyone got really fucking competitive. Despite the fact that we never won anything. We just won. <laughs> like, it was just the, the, like, the pride of a job well done. And, like, people would hate each other. Like, I, I fucking played into it, too. I was like, fuck the year ahead of us. Like, it was like the class of 08. Whoa, whoa. Fuck the year 08. Like, they were so, they were so nasty, really. They won every year um, that they were in the school. I'm just mad at them. Yeah, we were just, like, pissed that they were better than us, I guess. I don't know. But. Anywho. <laughs> Anywho. cool, guys. So, comics. What what are your like main uh, comic influences? What are like? Well, I was actually I was going to ask Curtis. You said you were uh, you started out in film. Uh, yeah. What uh, you know? What films have you kind of like drawn That's from? That's a good one. You know, to get to film the comic influences. world. What's yeah influenced you? Well, I'm I'm gonna connect I'm gonna connect film and comic books in a very direct way. Actually, what actually got me into comics was film. Um, I remember seeing um, I remember seeing V for Vendetta in the theater back in like 2005. All right. Um, 
and being completely blown away and then afterwards just like wanting more it just opened up this whole world i thought like i'm like oh it's based on a book too like and at the time i wasn't aware of um the fact that comic books could be written with you know adult themes and you know political themes and so on so i got v for vendetta read it was absolutely um you know floored you know jaw dropped i thought it was great that led me to watchmen so i i really got into comics through you know alan moore because he was writing for an older audience so um a weird place to like start off in comics it is very, it's a very dark place uh. <laughs> well no but like when i was younger like in the 90s like i would go and get comics every once in a while from like you know back then they had them like on spinner racks at like you know at like a um grocery store and things yeah. like that you yeah. know some times um and i remember getting you know like a spider-man or or something like that you know but i never really read them seriously for continuity or anything like that um and then two things happened i got into um I got into graphic novels in college because of uh, the V for Vendetta and Alan Moore and so on. And then I met a really good friend of mine um, uh, named Andrew um, in in college who uh, I became better friends with him after college. And he he collected comics like religiously, like he went on every like new comic book day and we would talk about things and we were, you know, and I started getting into, you know, the Marvel and the DC films and everything. And and uh, but I, I would say that V for Vendetta and Alan Moore were really the, the, the film and Alan Moore's comics really opened up the floodgates for my interest in sequential art storytelling. Huh. That's pretty cool. Uh, how about yourself, Drew? Where did you? Uh, where, what kind of? Uh, what kind of stuff did you like? You know, build off of? Oh boy. Um, well, I mean, I've, I've been getting comics since before I could even read the comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah in a very. I grew up in a very comic book friendly environment. My uh, my father was actually the one that introduced me to him uh, because he grew up loving you know uh, Marvel, DC, all those all those comics, especially Spider Man. Uh, it's a personal favorite, but like I, I've been drawing them. Pretty much for as long as that, you know, like like every time I I come up with like some sort of dumb little idea for a comic as a kid, I'd have a whole sketchbook filled up with these uh, these like little short strips, and obviously, you know, they they were nothing special, but uh, but I mean that's I've been doing it for my whole life essentially, and only just recently started getting serious about it. Excuse me. Yeah, that's uh, just say like everybody kind of has that yeah, like the the other friend who's got the sketchbook, but like uh, growing up was the same way, like. I was the other person who could write the story. My friend Nick was always the artist. Like me trying to draw stuff was like. Oh my God, that's so cute! Like, now I love that. <laughs> now you have this website. So yeah. cute. So cute. <laughs> um, this is the graphic design. And I, see, yeah. I was the little uh, anime kid, so I was just the weeb trash in the corner making my own manga. So it went backwards. That was the only difference, really. Yeah, that's actually that's like the one type of comic I never really got into as a kid. Surprisingly, all my friends were, but it just it never really scratched an itch for me. Yeah, I um, got super into it. Um, basically, I went like anime, and then I was watching Teen Titans on Cartoon Network, and I was like, <laughs> oh my god, I have to read comics now. That's kind of like was my jumping point because I wanted to know everything about those characters and then I was like oh my god there's more than one Robin and you know it just kind of went from there the Judith contract it's, is not for kids boys and girls the end <laughs> it's funny you bring that up it's uh the, the Teen Titans comic based off the TV series was actually the first comic I started getting like monthly like like uh from the beginning to end I remember you could, um, like, have them sent to your house instead of a comic store subscription yeah, yeah yeah I used to have some yeah, that was the thing, but like Spider-Man. I had Rugrats comics sent to my house when I was little, like, like when I was <laughs> six years old. 
Yeah, like I said, though, uh, my dad always always liked comics, so we actually had the comic shop we would go to uh, every every week or so. And so I was just I was always like surrounded by all these different influences. Um, but I think I think like as far as Beard Fist goes, and and like sort of building bridges, uh, that art style and type of inspiration there, a lot of it comes from like uh, Scott Pilgrim. That one. Yes, you know what? I was trying to think of like you because you, your art style is very familiar. Like, and I, I dig it. And I'm like, where have I like? What does this remind me of? I was thinking like, is it Cartoon Network like something from there? But no, you're right. It's Scott Pilgrim. We're big Scott Pilgrim yeah. fans too. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, growing up, I watched a lot of cartoons. So that's why I started drawing in the first place. Uh, I used to I used to watch a lot of like Fairly Odd Parents, Danny Phantom, uh, and I would emulate that style. Well, but as I got older. <laughs> so underappreciated in this world, I feel like. As I got older, though, um, I discovered Adventure Time, and then my my style sort of became an amalgam of those two. As I tried to expand my horizons, and then of course Scott Pilgrim came around, and that sort of like cemented it in where it is right now. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Again, like the, the I was sitting up like, before we were like getting started here. I'm like, where are you, like what is this reminding me of? And bam, that is it. Huh? Don't you love how it just comes together? Yeah. yeah it's just great. <laughs> Answers, yes! <laughs> um, now, you said you had worked on one project before this, but was that the um, was it the first comic for both of you guys? The uh, the, bridge, the Building Bridges comic? For, yeah, the first the first collaboration between the between the two of us. We wanted to see if like um, just how our how our how our styles and how our ideas and things and so on would gel together, and it worked. It worked, you know, incredibly well, and that led us to the and led us to Beard Fest. Uh, had you guys done anything you know separately before that point, or no? Like, like I mentioned, I'd, I'd done a few uh, comics as a kid, but nothing substantial, not, nothing like this, you know. Okay. Okay. As um as far as writing goes, I, I'd actually written um I'd written some screenplays, but nothing in the nature of uh, you know putting words with images. Yeah, this this is a, this is another kind of topic that pops up every now and again. I think just because this is my own experience, but um, I find that like film and comics do kind of always like lead to one another in one you know in one shape or you know another. Oh yeah, so, like, they're both very like visual you know storytelling mediums, mm-hmm. and, you know. You know, the difference being that, like, okay, movies move. You know, comics are just a, you know, a, yeah. a still form of a movie. Um, yeah, I mean, as, as we've been discovering, um, you know, like, like Curtis is very much used to, or at least he was in the beginning, very much used to setting up scenes in sort of like a movie type way where the screen is like, has set boundaries. And so him and I have sort of been like exploring this whole idea of, of comics being able to tell a story visually but completely different than a movie. You can focus on, on different things, and you can essentially set up the screen to any sort of boundaries that you need it to be. You don't have any wasted space, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Comics are like the like the, you know, the the nice middle ground between like literature and movies. Like you've got oh, yeah. the you know the like the picturesque qualities of a movie, but you have also like the descriptive abilities of a book where you can take longer to describe things and not just absolutely yeah. No, absolutely, and and when you're when you're doing a comic too, like let's say that you know you're say you're telling a story in film and you're telling a story in a comic book. If you're watching a movie and you you transition from maybe a desert to you know a snowy mountain, it's going to seem like a really big like smash cut. Like wow, we went from one location to another, one extreme to another. In a comic, you can do that, and it doesn't seem as jarring, in my opinion. Yeah, with the addition of a little like you know description box, like right, six transition later, yeah. like you know. Yep. Yep. 
Um, so you said uh, Beauty Fist is a six issue miniseries. That's the, yeah, the the uh, the the first story arc that we're doing, like the 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 first Beardfist story that we're telling, is going to be the six issue series. That's like that's like if we if we compiled that into six chapters, into a a hardcover like um, uh, you know trade graphic novel, that would be volume one. Would be those six those six issues or six chapters. Okay, okay. Um, have you guys have stories like planned out beyond that, or is it just let's see where this goes first? Yeah, we have a lot of we have yeah. a lot of like rough ideas. Yeah, um, but we don't have any like set groundwork. We're, we're just sort of figuring it out as we go. Yeah, yeah, okay. Like I'd like to do this. Let's see, you know, mm-hmm. see where this can go. That's exactly. Yeah, that's, that's let's try to fit this in over here. And we're also Drew and I were also discussing um, not too long ago how. Um, our goal is really to get to the point where, because right now we're at the stage where we're trying to build a fan base, and we're we're having uh, essentially we're we're having a monologue with the audience, like we're telling them like this is what's happening. Eventually, we want to get to the point we're thinking like at the end of you know the six issues and, and going into you know volume two or you know you want to call it like you know chapter seven or something. Um, we want to get to the point where we have a dialogue with people where we have such a fan base where they're telling us like oh we'd like more of that or maybe you'd want to try this and by um having a conversation with people or conversation with our fans that'll allow us to fuel the creative juices and to um you know expand or or maybe go in directions that we didn't think were possible you know yeah yeah um have you guys uh like i said i know we met at uh super mega fest but have you guys Mm -hmm. started like hitting the cons and like maybe trying to set up a table there and like talk to people that way yeah, actually, we have. It's, uh, yep. it's funny you bring that up. We're yep. trying to get a table over at uh, the Mice Expo this year in, in Rhode Island. Um, right no, now, we're on the wait. Well, no, oh, sorry. That's it's actually it's it's in uh, it's at Leslie University in uh, in Cambridge in in, uh, in uh, Massachusetts. Oh, sorry, my bad, my bad. It's okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> but uh, we're we're actually on the waiting list right now. Um, they yep. haven't they haven't said no, which is reassuring, I suppose. But uh, they still haven't said like yes. So uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, we get we get our table there. We've been we've been what I call conditionally accepted to the Massachusetts Independent Comic Book Expo, which is a show that that I've been going to um, for a few years now. Um, I actually, you know, I've I made lots of great contacts there. I met someone who's kind of. Um, mentored me when i was first getting started and she's been very supportive and i've met you know other you know contacts she's had and so on um but it's really really cool it's basically um the, the leslie university um opens up their doors um uh, you know a whole uh, uh, you know it started as one floor now it's two floors um for like i believe a whole weekend like a saturday and sunday and uh people just go and they um and they sell their uh, independent uh, comics and you know art- artists, writers. Oh, wow, that um, awesome. It's it's really really cool, and it's cool because it's it's an it's an independent show. So it's it's less about um, cosplaying and you know getting um, you know movie stars there and all that kind of stuff, and more about like this is like these are this is like a one one person that's doing all the work or here's you know a two person team or whatever it's very very indie which i which i think is cool which allows uh people that are on um drew and i on our level to really connect with people that have similar skill sets yeah i honestly think those type of shows like the indie shows the shows that aren't about you know movie stars and cosplay i think those are going to be the shows that are going to start getting huge in the next couple of years. Yep. I think, like, 
everybody's kind of at con fatigue right now. I know personally yep. I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, perfect example, New York Comic Con. Like, the tickets mm-hmm. went on sale last weekend. And, and honestly, I've been going to that show. I, I think I've missed it maybe once or twice. Uh-huh. Give less of a shit that the tickets were on sale. It's like, you know, really? I've seen everything. I've done everything. You know, I could skip a year or two. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it's too much now. Like, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. A lot of the, a lot of the other like like my favorite uh, is usually the Rhode Island Comic Con where I've met a lot of cool celebrities, but I haven't really picked up a lot of comics. You know. Yeah. Um, and that's one of my favorite things personally about the smaller like Mice Expo type cons is that all the artists, because it's so small, are all pretty much local. So if you reach out to them, you get the contact information. You could have like actual you know physical relationships with these people absolutely and you guys could like meet for coffee talk about ideas that type of stuff whereas with most of these situations you can't because you know they the artists that they have for those bigger ones have so much else going on you know Although I, although I can't really knock Rhode Island Comic Con too much because um, the person that kind of helped me to get my foot in the door helped me essentially just um, um, build my confidence you know with my writing and kind of um mentored me when i was uh when i was a a newbie a few years ago i met that person at rhode island comic-con so okay we just did our uh first rhode island comic-con last year that's a that's a, that's a big show. con that's that was kind of fun like we i wish we mm-hmm. had a little bit more time there because we were I like it because it, it draws the guests that new york gets but is not as large oh, yeah. as new york yeah yeah, yeah. It's not as crazy as new york um, a couple of cons that I'm actually looking forward to going to in the future. I'm looking forward to uh, next month, I believe, is um, uh, Comic Con, and that's con with two N's, as in like Connecticut. Yes, and that, I heard that's a great one. That's being held at Foxwoods, and I'm very excited about that, um, as well as another show that I'm looking forward to going later in the year at the, the other casino that's the Foxwoods rival is Mohegan Sun. That one's called um, Terrificon. Yes, that's another really cool show. I was cool going to say, I've heard that that's a really good one, too. Nice people that run it, too. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, again, I'm looking forward to going anywhere local, you know, anywhere that's, you know, um, an hour and a half or less, you know, away to, to, to travel, you know. But um, these New England really, really has a lot to offer in terms of, like, you know, geek shows where people can meet and... Uh, and um, you know, uh, collaborate or, you know, exchange contact info and, and uh, really build a kind of um, geek network, you know? Yeah, yeah you basically, I was going to say the same thing. Like, we're kind of fortuitous to live in an area where there's there's a lot of shows of different sizes. There's huge shows, there's medium-sized shows, mm-hmm. and there's still these little, like, hole-in-the-wall looking crane shows that you find. Oh, yeah. Um, and, like, on top of that, like, there's, I know, I know around here anyway, like Albany, there is a surprising amount of comic book people like who live around here. Yeah. Oh, really? It's crazy, yeah. it's crazy to me. Um, not to blow up anybody's spot, but like Steve Orlando lives here, who's like mm-hmm. one of the biggest writers at DC right now. Like Ron oh, wow. lives around here. Um, okay. Cool uh, people. Yeah, those are just the two that jump out at me. But I mean, there's tons of people who live. Um, Greg Capullo lives here. I mean, uh, that I always oh, forget cool. about too. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually I'm hoping to meet him. At, I I think he's good going to be at uh, Terrificon, and that would be really cool to have him sign maybe like a like a Spawn book or something like that with some of his older stuff, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah. enough, I've never met him. His mom, his mom was a lunch lady at one of the schools, like one of the elementary schools around here. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, man, it's a small world, huh? Exactly, yeah. Like, there's so many, like, it's like a ton of comic people around here. I, I, I feel bad that I'm not mentioning people, but like, 
there's definitely more than what I've just mentioned. Well, I think the best part of, like, just getting back to the indie shows for a minute, like the Mice Expo and some smaller shows, are that, like, people are really, really approachable. Like, they... I don't find that there's... there's um, any ego or anything just because it's like like someone's making a comic maybe just like out of their apartment or out of their garage or something you know it's like it's very it's it's like garage band comics you know what i mean yeah yeah oh that'd be a really good business name garage that is an awesome like comics label name right there good job (laughs) pat that right now yeah it's all you man (laughs) (laughs) this is an audio record of that um (laughs) But yeah, the reason that I was bringing up cons is that, like, I in our in our experience, it is uh, to me like the best way to connect with people, like, connect with fans, and like, to talk, oh yeah, you know, to talk about your what you're working on. Like, you know, the internet's great for getting your stuff out there, but I feel like it's not great for setting up like dialogue. Sometimes, mostly you just get yelled at, like, "fuck you" at you by people, you know. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> again, Drew and I were talking about this. We we were saying that like. Um, when we put something out on our like let's say we tweet something out like hey we've got a book that just came out or we just released an issue or something like that we're just you know kind of sending that out into the void and seeing who responds to that you know because twitter is you know there's so much white noise on there with you know celeb gossip and so on that that's a lot of times it's hard to get through what's cool is that you know by by giving us the opportunity to be guests on on your program on your podcast is because um it allows us to be more streamlined and like you know people are coming here because they want to talk about geeky things especially comic books you know it's it's um it's uh very just boiled down in that way you know um and I think we have more of an opportunity to find an audience by being on a program like this as opposed to just, like I said, sending tweets out into the void, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a personal aspect to it, you know? Like, yeah. I know just from my end of things, uh, you know, just talk, you know, people will come by the table, like, oh, what do you do? Well, I do mm-hmm. a podcast. Like, oh, who do you talk with? You know, now I'll mention, like, you guys to these people. Like, so it's all, you know, all part of that little, mm-hmm. you know, community. Exactly. Yeah. And hell, after this, we'll probably you know put on the Facebook page that hey, you know, we were on the Evil Geeks podcast. You go yeah. check it out. You know. Oh, we're gonna put this on. Just like geeks helping geeks. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Like the geek breakfast that brought you guys together. We're we're looking for yeah, yeah, yeah. a big geek breakfast community. You know. <laughs> the geek yeah. breakfast is actually a symbol of the larger community. Yeah. And <laughs> well, <laughs> well, comics. That, it, it is that communal thing. You know, like when I first went to Rhode Island Comic Con, you know, a few years ago, and, and everything. It's like when I got there, I was so like. I found my people. You know what I mean? Like these are this is where I, this is where I belong. So every time I'm with, it could be three people talking comics, or it could be you know an entire convention. You know, I always feel like you know everybody is interested in what I'm doing, and we all have a you know uh, a, a respect and a and a commonality in that you know we're all here to geek out. You know. <laughs> uh, what, what makes me happy too is like you know. Um you, you never forget the first time you felt that feeling yeah, of yeah. belonging. Because, I mean, I, I can think of the first convention that I ever went to. I never knew conventions were a thing. It's kind of a total fluke that I went to one. Uh, and I walked in, and that was the first time I saw people in cosplay, even. Like, you know, yeah. I, I'd always been into, like, you know, I wanted to dress up as my favorite characters for Halloween. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. I can do this shit all the time. It doesn't have to be Halloween. It doesn't have to be <laughs> Halloween. I can go to these places. And dress up with adults like that's so cool. Like, awesome. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the first the first con I ever went to was actually with uh, my old man and a couple of his friends and their sons, and 
it was it was the coolest thing because we went to Boston Comic Con, which was the biggest one uh, I I'd, I'd been to for you know years after that. Like that was still uh, the biggest one I'd been to for a while. That's, that's a show. We've been in a couple show. years, but that's a really good show. Yeah, and and like just just imagine I was like like uh, seven or eight at the time, and I was just completely overwhelmed with how uh, fucking amazing the day was. Because after that, we all like we got lunch and we were talking about how you know all these different things that we saw, and they're like, oh, we didn't see that. And we're like, oh, you should have. It was over at this booth, and and we were sort of like explaining to them the bits that maybe they missed out on, and uh, vice versa, you know. Yeah. So it was still like it was still happening even after we left, you know. That's why I've always said that uh, my favorite part of going to a con is at the end of the day when like you're with your you know whoever you went with like your friends or whatever you're back in your hotel room or you're back at your whoever's house you're crashing at like everybody just got their shit like spread out like this is the <laughs> comics that I bought today this is the cool figure that I bought today like my know, giant um my giant pile of magical girl shit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is all my anime shit no but that is like it. that's always the best part of every con like really? what did I get like let's look at the cool stuff the geek show and tell, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It really is. Like, that's, and, you know, oh man, where'd you find that? Oh my god, I have to try and find that tomorrow. I'm gonna buy one too. And, like, I feel like that's the stuff that's missing from the larger cons. Like, you don't get that sense of community. Like, when you New do York see people, is just too stressful. To yeah, when you do see people you know, like in New York, it's like, holy shit, like, you know, can you believe this? Like, what is it? You're barely surviving see, right now. When you see people in New York that you know, you're like, oh my god, have you seen blah, blah, blah? get a hold of them and our cell phones aren't working yeah yeah <laughs> God. um and like you i'm always like like hesitant to buy shit in new york too because like and like, do you want to carry you're it you're not gonna carry this around all day now i have to like worry about getting you know stolen out of my bag like, like. Mm-hmm. well actually um a couple years ago in new york my harder story was that i got my wallet stolen and it was right after my birthday so all my birthday money got stolen oh, all sucks. my cards got stolen i would just cry the whole weekend it was the first day of con too it wasn't like it happened on sunday <laughs> i saved up all my money to go buy shit and i didn't get to buy anything Twelve, the year from hell <laughs> the next year i met you so hey not so bad all right shake up better right shake up better a little bit just a bit Oh my god, 2012 was so long ago. I know, right? It yeah, really it feels yeah. crazy. Like people ask me, like, like, oh, remember 2010? I'll think, like, yeah, that was like three years ago. That was like seven years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like, no, it's usually it's usually crazy. the analogy that my friends and I make were like, can you believe that, like, like Nirvana and, like, Foo Fighters, like, that people are calling that classic rock now? Like, God, I feel old. I'm only... I'm, I'm only to Hot Topic of all places, and I was looking uh-huh. for a Green Day shirt because we were going to see them in concert. And okay. I was like, oh, I want to get uh, a Revolution Radio shirt for the new album that just came out. Uh-huh. And I'm like looking through the band shirts, and I'm like, what the? I don't even know these band names. What the fuck? Who are yeah, all yeah. these people? And then I'm like, where's the Green Day shirt? And they go, oh, it's over there in the classic rock. I went, no! Stop! It's not a classic rock. Classic rock. Green Day was my first concert. Like yeah, as like a 16 year old checks me out. And, I'm and like, are now you old it's enough? classic rock. Like, holy yeah. shit. No, not you know what's funny though? My. Uh, my cousin, um, he's just he just started getting into you know, I want to say good music, because <laughs> he's just, he's like a freshman in high school, oh, yeah. and what I think is funny like, good. yeah like they still like like his he for for a while he listened to like joke songs and like you know uh, really really just just shitty music joke uh, like songs. stuff that kids like, like kids that, all the time okay yeah and and like a lot of the stuff that plays on like the top forty and nothing wrong with top forty lists but you know there's there's uh, there's a limit. 
And uh, what I think is funny though is that everybody's like introduction to good music hasn't changed at all. It's it's still Green Day, it's still All American Idiots, Nirvana, you know, stuff like that. Like that's all the same shit that you know everyone listens to when they're first discovering that you know music can affect you. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I I just thought it was funny because he was showing me the um, the song. It was it was by uh, I think I think it was fuck what was the band. I can't remember it now, but the point is, we were driving to the car, and I thought he was going to put on some some just like shit music, and he actually put on like a good song. I'm like, oh damn, like all right. Huh. Yeah, I remember. You just like braced yourself for the impact. You're like, oh, it's going to be really shitty. Oh, okay, hey. I was going to say that uh, Nevermind came out when I was in sixth grade, so it was like, mm-hmm. the perfect time. Like, oh, let me just put down this Color Me Bad album and go listen to this better music. Like, Excuse me, <laughs> don't you diss on Color Me Bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'll fight you, son. But. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's funny, because I mean, even generationally, like, the music, you know, sometimes stuff that I consider good music, you don't consider good music. No, not at all. <laughs> even, though, even though it's not, like, pop shit, though. You're just like, no. And I'm like, right, well, uh, anyway, like unfortunately. 75. They're a little garbagey, but who cares? Unfortunately, I, I gotta duck out. Oh, no worries, we can uh, we can wrap this up then. I don't want to keep you guys all night. So where can we find you on the internet? You can find us at the uh, the splash page uh, comics link on Comicsology. Um, we have a Facebook page also called Splash Page Comics. You can tell it's us because the logo is blue and brown. <laughs> um, and then we we have uh, how was the other one? Just uh, uh, individual like uh, Twitter, or Instagram, right? Right. Yeah. All right. Well, awesome guys. Thank you so much for coming out and talking with us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you. You you can you can find me on um, on Twitter. I'm at Dollar Store Film and the same Instagram at Dollar Store Film. Awesome. Sweet. Well, uh, please come back again soon. We'll uh, we'll talk a little talk comics some more. Cool. Thank, thank, thanks for the, yeah. for the opportunity for uh, for having us on your show. Yeah, no problem, man. Anytime. This is Big right, Transmissions cool. from the Evil Lair. I'm Seymour. I'm Adisa Bundy. And one last huge thank you to our guests, Curtis Parvin and Drew Kelly. Woo! <laughs> thanks for listening. Anytime, guys.